0: Football, Canton, Ohio.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M if you want to talk some college football or NFL or fantasy football. And, and if you want to find my co-host who uh, drops a show later in the week, uh, every week here, Fun uh, Laco is at Stéphane Laco, that's L-A-K-O on Twitter. And if you're joining us on the show for the first time, the College DeKin podcast is a show about the journey of the best football players. From being a college football recruit to college football, through the NFL draft, through their entire career, and all the way to the debate as to whether they should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk some fantasy football since this is a radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too while we're at it. If you've been following along, we've been kind of going back and forth between college football early in the week, NFL later in the week. Uh, but after the season's start here, uh, respectively, we'll we'll kind of uh, mix it up and go back and forth, get into some future NFL draft stuff uh, and kind of have some crossover shows with myself and Stefan both together. But on today's show, I just want to tackle one particular thing, because, you know, sometimes I tackle, you know, several different players. I'm, I'm sure you guys need like a notepad in several uh, in several with several sheets to kind of <laughs> keep track of all the names that uh, I might be talking about. But today, I just want to tackle one topic because I think I've seen... Tons of conversation really over over the years, but uh, here recently especially about the impact of mobile quarterbacks and, and what the future of the NFL looks like and what now, like right now looks like in terms of mobile quarterbacks. I mean, for fantasy football, we've had the Konami code for a while, thanks to uh, Rich Rebar, who, who kind of put that together and kind of talked about the importance of finding and taking advantage of, of quarterbacks that can add rushing yards on the ground because that gives you such an advantage in fantasy football. But but even just from a real football standpoint, uh, the NFL has been telling us for quite some time that they've been transitioning to quarterbacks that are more mobile, not just the statues uh, that we saw uh, dominate the NFL for so long. I mean... In the in the '90s and really early 2000s, uh, we, we were still seeing guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Big Big Ben and and Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, who I guess kind of was mobile for a few throws in his career. Uh, but you know the, the the statues, even even as recent as you know guys like Matt Ryan or even Kirk Cousins, guys that. <laughs> weren't exactly mobile, even in college, uh, where it's easier to be so. Uh, when they got to the pros, uh, didn't really add that uh, element to their game. But but now, thanks to guys like Lamar Jackson, thanks to guys even well before that, like Michael Vick and Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick for a little bit there, we, we've seen this new age of quarterback and what it means to play the position and now more and more teams are basically requiring that. Uh, if you want to play the quarterback position, you have to be able to threaten with your legs. And when when I say mobile quarterback, I'm not actually just saying, you know, Lamar Jackson. I'm not just talking about the wrecking ball that, that was Cam Newton in his early career. Uh, you know, because there's only one Lamar Jackson. There's only one Cam Newton. I'm actually just talking about quarterbacks that can move and contribute with their legs. I mean, that includes guys like... Dak Prescott, that includes guys like Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, guys that you wouldn't think, oh, the run first guys. And that's not what I mean. I'm not saying run first quarterbacks are the future of the NFL because you're still going to have to be an absolutely precise, accurate, good decision making kind of passer to succeed in the NFL. That's never going to change, especially in today's game where it's so pass happy and so pass first at, at this point, really. What I am saying is that you have to be able to contribute with your legs. You have to be able to do to do that, and and not not just from a, for a fantasy football standpoint where it makes sense because even the decent guys that that consistently contribute outside of a few examples are getting like two hundred plus, three hundred plus rushing yards per season at this point. I'll, I'll basically, all the top fantasy football options are doing that at the position, but especially from a prospecting standpoint, looking at the NFL draft standpoint, looking ahead to the future. The NFL for the past five to six drafts has been telling us we don't care about quarterbacks that cannot add rushing yards on the ground. If you can't even, you know, if you're if you're a liability in that aspect, you can just stay away. And it took me a while to really realize that. Uh, it took me a while to kind of be able to prove that in my own in my own analysis. And it was kind of by accident that I realized, holy cow, the NFL is not just trending towards mobile quarterbacks. They're absolutely done with statues. And how I came across this was I was actually building a, a quarterback production predictive model uh, that was trying to predict uh, draft capital better than you know some of the methods that we have already used at RotoViz and have used when building draft guides and things like that. And so basically, I, I looked at uh, adjusted yards per pass attempt, which is already something that exists, and I adjusted for a few different schematic variables and built a, um, a look at adjusted yards. Per pass attempt over expectation, and basically building a model uh, to to tell you uh, how efficient. A quarterback is over their expectation, given a few schematic variables like play action percentage. Uh, And what I found is that it predicted capital better than anything I was able to find. And so that's great. And and it's good to be an efficient passer. But what you'll find now in in today's college game is that there are a billion efficient passers, like up and down the line at at all levels of play, because offenses have gotten so good, have gotten so creative at creating... uh, opportunities and an easy scheme to open players especially at the college level where defenses just aren't as good aren't as stacked with with incredible athletes that it's really hard to sift through uh, which quarterbacks are really good by the numbers and the thing is I, I'm not just a numbers guy I know I, I love studying film I love going through several games of, of every single prospect when they come into the league to get a better idea of what they succeed in how they're going to win at the next level. But I, I really like to mix film with analytics. I think that's the best way to approach things. But within this model, I was just looking at the numbers, and it's tough to sift through all these efficient quarterbacks because there's all these guys that that are averaging, you know, above 10 adjusted yards per attempt these days. Like there's seriously, like in the last five years, there's like over 50 guys who have logged a a season with it, a t- over 10 adjusted yards per pass attempts. And 10 years ago, th- that list was like two or three guys, maybe. College football passers are just more efficient than ever. So it's going to be harder to differentiate, right? And so I wanted to add one layer to it because I we all know that the, the NFL has been trending towards mobile quarterbacks. And so I just wanted to find the most impactful variable on the ground at predicting dra- both draft capital and fantasy points. I looked at a few different ways to measure rushing production. And I found that you know raw rushing totals doesn't really mean much, but I did find that uh, the adjusted peak rushing yard market share, which is a mouthful, but it's essentially just the um, per game percentage of a quarterback's rushing contribution within the scale of their offense. Like how, like what percentage of their offense did they account for on the ground uh, in their peak? passing efficient season and anecdotally it made sense but it also gave me the most signal in terms of predicting future fantasy points and and future capital if i looked at their peak uh, passing efficiency season and then mixing that with the rushing production that they had that year because if you can be both effective through the air uh, efficient through the air and adding value on the ground together at once in your peak point of development in college that both statistically and anecdotally makes sense that you would probably be able to find some success at the next level. And and as I was digging through the numbers, I was just blown away at how little capital, draft capital was invested in quarterbacks that uh, couldn't bring something on the ground. And I've said this on the podcast in passing in recent years, but uh, from 2017 to 2021, we've only seen one college passer uh, get drafted in the first round that couldn't eclipse even zero rushing yards uh, in their peak, passing efficient season. Uh, And that quarterback was Josh Rosen. He was the only one out of the, uh, I believe, 20 quarterbacks or so that were selected in round one since 2017 to absolutely fail as a rusher, just to be an absolute liability. And if you're unfamiliar with how college rushing works, uh, they add the sack yards against you. So if you take a sack for 10 yards, uh, you have to rush 10 more yards to just break even on your rushing yards. And so uh, you know you you see guys all over the place actually finish their career with sometimes several hundred negative rushing yards and Josh Rosen was one of those guys but he was the only one that that got first round capital and most every other first round passer that we saw drafted got not only you know positive rushing yards but they also got like at least 5% of of their team's rushing yards and so i was like okay I wonder what happens if I test this and see like how this you know leads to future fantasy points. And so what I what I was able to find is that when you mix that peak passing efficiency with the adjusted yards over expected and the rushing yard market share, uh, just just using like a super low threshold, like only accounting for let's say five percent of your team's rushing yards in your peak season in college, uh, that led to not only capital. But kind of being a a point of delineation, a uh, minimum to look at for projecting NFL success. So without boring you with with the R squared values and things like that uh, from my statistical testing, uh, just looking at that you know the average fantasy point output out of guys since like 2016, guys that that both hit the 90th percentile mark and 5% or better rushing yard market share. Like if we just look at the guys who at the very top of the list who all posted at least, you know, 300 fantasy points per season uh, that, that out of the guys drafted since 2016. You know, you're looking at guys like Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Uh, the guys that that hit the 90th percentile or better as being an efficient passer and at least 5% rushing yard market share. And among those guys, six out of the seven guys that have averaged over 300 fantasy points in their career. Six out of seven actually had more than 10% of their team's rushing yards in their their peak passing efficient season in college too. So really, if you're looking for the elite producers, the, the true Konami code guys that are going to both produce as a passer and you know get 200, 300, maybe even more than that rushing yards on the ground, you're, you're looking for guys that eclipse well above even 15% uh, of their team's rushing yards in their final season. And if you look at some of the other guys that, that failed to uh, get capital or even failed to uh, reach 0% of their team's rushing yards in, their, in college or even failed to reach the 5% mark, you, you, you get other guys just a little bit further back like, like Jared Goff. He's basically the only guy that uh, has had consistent success, I guess, quote unquote. Uh, but he, even he was kind of his team was tired of him and they moved on and traded him away. Uh, and then you get guys like uh, Drew Locke, who uh, he he was I think four percent at his peak. He's kind of failed to hold down his job. He's still even as of this recording not even locked in the starting job this year. And you get uh, other guys like Dwayne Haskins, who was a first rounder, but he flamed out. Uh, you get I already mentioned Josh Rosen, you know even some day two guys like Mason Rudolph. He's another guy who has seen some action, but has obviously flamed out. And be mobile enough to stick in the NFL. But what I found it was interesting about this year's incoming rookie class was that uh, four out of the five first round guys hit the thresholds we want to see, like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance, if we count his FCS numbers. All of them accounted for at least 10% of their team's rushing yards. And all of them posted at least one, if not two, seasons of 90th percentile pass efficiency or better. So that combination was incredibly deadly in terms of predicting draft capital this year. And every single quarterback drafted actually posted at least an 80th percentile or better season from a passing efficiency standpoint. And almost all of them that were drafted this year were mobile. Uh, One of the exceptions though, that is going to be, uh, I guess, debated uh, and has already been so in recent weeks is Mac Jones now with the Patriots. Uh, Because he basically, I think, by most people's standards, he looks more like a statue, right? <laughs> He's not incredibly mobile. He's not going to probably give you 400, 500 rushing yards at any point in his NFL career, let alone even something like 200 or 300 like Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes have been doing uh, in their short NFL careers. So does that mean he can't succeed? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, uh, that recent history would tell us that he doesn't have the highest chance to hit. And, and not only that, 14 teams saw Mac Jones... Put up two, you know, back to back seasons of 90th percentile pass pass efficiency or better, and just dominate college football, win the national championship, and just go. Eh, I like this guy more. Uh, and not only that, at uh, uh, the same position, but just go. Eh, I don't really need that quarterback uh, because the NFL as a whole is moving away from immobile quarterbacks. Now, I'm not saying that they can, that the Patriots can't build something around him and and he have some real NFL success, but I am saying that I'm very uninterested from a fantasy football perspective with Mac Jones. And if he does succeed, uh, he's probably going to be the only outlier (laughs) that that succeeds that is immobile. If we just look at recent history, the the NFL is moving away uh, from that kind of player. So how, Though I, I know I've had some people ask me, well, well, what do, what about Tom Brady? What about Kirk Cousins? What about Matt Ryan? Some of the guys I've already mentioned. What about Matt Matt Stafford? Like they're they're not really super mobile guys. You just mentioned Jared Goff. He's still he's still in the league. Well, there's at some point without digging too far into the into the numbers and, and talking about how insufficient a small sample is with the, the number of quarterbacks that we're talking about that have been successful and were immobile. Just anecdotally, simply put, like at some point, the NFL looked different than it does today. Not even like five to six years ago, the NFL looked slightly different in terms of how they used quarterbacks across the board than it does today. And all these quarterbacks that we mentioned, the older guys like Kirk Cousins and Matty, Matty Ice and Matthew Stafford and uh, Tom Brady and Big Ben, all those guys at some point had a bunch of experience in a completely different era of football, and it sounds weird to call it a different era. Just like you know, ten years ago, or, or maybe more than that for some of these guys, but it really was in terms of what we expected quarterbacks to do. And that experience outweighed the fact that they were immobile. Like they would, they have enough NFL experience that is just irreplaceable. That they're going to find a way to succeed because they've been doing so for so long. But even some of the guys that. That aren't super mobile have have learned how to add some on the ground. Like Jared Goff was a, an absolute statue at California in college, but he's he's figured out that he has to add you know sixty to hundred rushing yards and just be able to scramble a little bit every single season. Stafford the same way. Matty Ice has actually been been averaging over hundred yards on the ground, I think, in recent seasons. They're they're adding something with their legs. They're being used a little bit more than they were in past seasons. So they're they're having to flex and, and make it work a little bit, they just can't really do it like the modern young passers all around them. But what does this mean now, I guess, as we look at future classes? uh, I'll dive into that on the other side here. We're driven by the search
0: for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, fantasy leagues in 2021
1: so i've talked about you know the my model and what i found in terms of predicting uh you know future success in the nfl getting draft capital i mean we we could go down the line and just look at the draft capital from recent classes and see that it means a ton that a quarterback is both efficient through the air and add some rushing totals while we're at it i mean like looking at joe burrow he can't he accounted for 15 percent of lsu's rushing yards believe it or not in his peak crazy season kyler murray he accounted for 28 percent of his team's rushing yards in his peak season and both of them by the way had above the 99th percentile passing efficiency marks in their peak season in college too baker mayfield 99th percentile efficiency passer, and even he, though we don't necessarily consider him a dual threat in the NFL, uh, he actually posted 10% of Oklahoma's rushing yards in his peak passing efficiency season. Trevor Lawrence, he posted three seasons of 90th percentile or better passing efficiency numbers. Three, the only quarterback that I have on any, any, and any of my numbers and in anything in. in in the modern era that posted three seasons of 90 percentile passing numbers or better and peaked around the 15 percent mark in rushing efficiency in rushing yards for Clemson. And you could go down the line of like all the top 10 picks. And like I mentioned already, the only one in recent history that didn't post a decent rushing total was Josh Rosen. Every other top 10 pick posted at least 6 percent of their team's rushing yards in their peak passing efficiency season. And if you guys like Mac Jones, Dwayne Haskins, other guys like Jordan Love, you know, they they still got first round capital after not contributing at all as a rusher, but there were later first round picks. So again, the NFL is going away from guys that can't prove it on the ground and the guys that actually hit and produce at an elite level and and hit that like 300 or more fantasy points per season mark, all of them, every single one, post at least 5%, if not more than 10 or 15% of their team's rushing yards in their peak passing efficiency season in college. But what does this mean for future generations? I mean, I kind of already hinted at the fact that there are crazy amounts of efficient pastors in college, and so it it really is tough to sift through. But it, it means that guys that we actually like, guys that we think might be good in the NFL, guys that I think, um, you know, Devi fantasy football nerds like myself have have touted in recent years, like Keaton Slovis and uh, and even like JT Daniels or uh, guys that others like. I mean, I'm not as high as on him, but Carson Strong, he's somebody who's projected to be drafted pretty early next year. Like guys like that, we might have to question whether or not teams are going to value them the same as guys who can add some on, on the ground. Because Keaton Slovis, his peak, his best season, he accounted for seriously negative 4% of USC's rushing yards. Uh, Carson Strong, even in his really good season uh, last year, he, he accounted for 8.5% of, of Nevada's rushing yards in the Mountain West. That is Horrible. If you can't out maneuver and get out of the way of Mountain West defenders, uh, that's a problem. Uh, JT Daniels, you know, he's facing some tough competition in the SEC, but negative 10% rushing yards uh, for, for Georgia. He proved to be an absolute liability on the ground last year, taking way too many sacks and proving that he can't add virtually any value as a rusher. So I, I am concerned with guys like that that might have a 90th percentile or better passing efficiency season, or maybe even two after this this fall. But it's going to be tough to project much draft capital for them because the NFL has shown they're absolutely done with that kind of ineffective rusher. And so regardless of how good an arm you might have and regardless of how how far you can throw and, and whatever – uh, you, you're going to need to add some value. You're going to need to clean that up in your final season, guys, if you want to get draft capital. Uh, now, this theory might be proven wrong next year because you, you know there, there aren't any Trevor Lawrences or, or Justin Fields types uh, that have near-perfect profiles and pedigree just across the board. And so we might have teams reaching for a few guys that aren't perfect mobile specimens. They might sneak into late round one next year, but it will be interesting to see because there are probably right now about 20 quarterbacks with decent enough passing profiles to get drafted next year. I didn't dive into this too much, but really at bare minimum to get drafted. If you look at the last five drafts uh, and the last 54 quarterbacks drafted that were from division one, you know, FBS football, it's really important to be at least above the 80th percentile in terms of passing efficiency, uh, but when you mix mix it in with just even zero rushing out zero rushing yards or better, you're looking at guys getting drafted. Uh, you know, with an 80th percentile or better passing profile and zero rushing yards or better, like that, that's 33 of the last 40 quarterbacks when you mix those together. And just looking at passing efficiency, like that minimum 80th percentile threshold, like it's 41 of 54 drafted quarterbacks in the, in the last five years from division one schools. And so you absolutely have to have an, like an 80th percentile passing efficiency season or better, or else the NFL is probably not interested just from a number standpoint. But there are well over 20 with that hit that 80th percentile mark uh, in college football already. And it, and that's, that's assuming none of them actually improve this fall. So we're going to see a ton of guys who meet the minimum thresholds for passing efficiency, ton of guys that also meet the, the minimum thresholds for rushing too. But who are the guys that meet both? Right. Cause I went over some of those names already, but guys like Spencer Rattler already hits both thresholds that we want to see. And he'll definitely coast easily well above the 90th percentile in passing efficiency this fall. And actually, believe it or not, he's not considered a dual threat by most or a mobile quarterback, but even he actually uh, posted 8% of uh, the rushing yards for Oklahoma last year. And guys like Sam Howell, uh, another top name North Carolina quarterback, uh, he easily coasted above the 90th percentile as a passing efficiency Guy, But even he did post just over 5% of the rushing yards for North Carolina, even even sharing the rushing numbers with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So it doesn't really take a whole lot of mobility to, to eclipse that 5% mark. But that's really what we find is the first meaningful or predictive statistical threshold that you need to hit. And he's already there. And this year, he's probably going to eclipse that even more because they're replacing – so much rushing production from a year ago with Devontae Williams and Michael Carter being in the NFL. So Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, the favorite to be the one and the two next year, both meet both of those thresholds already. And it's funny that just, you know, the guys who love the film, the guys that love the analytics will already tell you those two guys are the easiest picks next year. Another name, depending on how the, the program goes this year, Jaden Daniels. He also meets both of those minimum thresholds. Uh, what's what's weird about him though is he's super scrawny, uh, so I'm not sure if that what the NFL is going to do with him, uh, weighing you know somewhere around 180 pounds or something like that, 190 pounds, like not even 200 pounds at this point still. But but he actually, as a true freshman, posted uh, passing efficiency marks above 90th, the 90th percentile and accounted for nearly a quarter of the rushing yards for Arizona State. Uh, it wasn't as perfect last year uh, in a smaller sample, and the team was kind of struggling with. Uh, a whole lot of things amidst the pandemic year. But if he bounces back this year, Jaden Daniels could easily be in line for at least day two capital, if not first round capital, given what we know is important to NFL decision makers. He's proven he can be mobile. He's proven he can be efficient as a passer. That's definitely another name to know that I feel like has not been getting as much hype. You know, as guys like Malik Willis or Carson Strong or uh, even like JT Daniels or other names like that. But he's a guy that... Plays for a big-time program and meets both meaningful thresholds as well. But I mentioned just in passing Malik Willis uh, because he's a guy (laughs) that seriously accounted for just shy of 40% of his team's rushing yards last fall. But the thing is, he had a good passing efficiency year, but he was actually only around the 72nd percentile. So he's going to have to improve. He's going to have to minimize the interceptions. He's going to have to show off that arm strength a little bit more. But again, he's going to have a pretty weak schedule to do it against. So he could absolutely have a slam dunk season. Most people have him as as the clear 1.01 top pick in college fantasy football leagues for good reason. So if he improves his passing efficiency whatsoever, you mix that that arms, raw arm strength that he puts on display, at least once or twice a game just launching it cross field way down way down the field just 60 yards in the air, you mix that arm strength with the mobility and then if he shows he can be a good decision maker, shows he can be an efficient passer even more so than last year, uh, he's probably going to be a guy that gets capital as well. But I hope that helps kind of frame what I mean when I say mobile quarterback a little bit these days because mobile quarterback, again, doesn't mean just Lamar Jackson, doesn't mean just Kyler Murray or, or Cam Newton or whatever it is. It's not just these guys that quote-unquote, get labeled as run-first options. It just means that the NFL requires their quarterbacks almost across the board to be able to maneuver the pocket, not only just maneuver the pocket, but add some value with their legs, be a dual threat. The defense has to trust that the quarterback can threaten with their legs in in, in today's NFL. And so once we see guys like Tom Brady, Big Ben, Matty Ice, Matthew Stafford, and Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is probably maybe the youngest one out of the whole bunch. Like, I guess we could call it it the Kirk Cousins line. (laughs) As soon as Kirk Cousins is out of the league, we're essentially going to see zero immobile quarterbacks, as I like to label them, uh, find success in the NFL uh, for fantasy football purposes and maybe even just at all for real football purposes. I'm not saying that Mac Jones can't hit because I like him a lot and he has two seasons, like I mentioned, of 90th percentile pass efficiency as well as, you know, several other accolades. But I, I think Mac Jones could could succeed. But if he does, he will kind of be an outlier in today's game. And this will continue to shift, shift, and shape uh, as we go along, and get more data on wh- what the NFL does with these quarterbacks that add literally nothing or are an actual liability uh, in, in the run game. Uh, next year might be a very telling class, as there are several guys that apparently have uh, cement blocks for feet that are coming into uh, NFL draft consideration. But the NFL looks like, as of today, that they are completely done with statues and they're moving towards mobile quarterbacks. Uh, And there's no debate as to that fact. But I think where we, with fantasy football, kind of uh, get into arguments with each other is because there's just a misunderstanding of what it means to be a mobile quarterback. And don't hear me saying again that passing efficiency doesn't matter or accuracy doesn't matter and, and rushing is more important than that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that rushing is important and it is important to pair with extreme Peak pass efficiency. And the NFL has told us in recent classes, like I've kind of outlined today, that both are immensely important. And what we've seen in recent years in terms of actually hitting in the NFL and being successful in fantasy football and real football, both are incredibly important. So as you're doing draft prep this year for fantasy football drafts, just ignore the statues. Several people have covered this before, but you're not going to have a super high upside uh, dealing with a statue quarterback. Unless you're talking about maybe Tom Brady if he throws another 40-plus touchdowns. And even then, he's probably capped at QB7. But even beyond this year, as you're doing your 2022, 2023, 2024 NFL draft prep, digging into Debbie fantasy football, whatever you like to do, just know that NFL doesn't care for your statute quarterbacks. So maybe give them a second look and uh, consider somebody with some more rushing upside to go with their passing efficiency when you're drafting for fantasy football here in the future. Stefan will be here with an NFL episode this week. College football is kicking off this weekend with week zero action, and we're just about to get into real college football and just about to get into real NFL. So I hope you guys are all enjoying the start of football season, and we'll see you next time on another College to Canton podcast.